You are now tuned in to Owen's Exhibit. Welcome back, listeners. This is your host, Owen Patterson, and we are here today to talk all things related to fashion and entrepreneurship. It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast episode, so I'm going to give you an update of kind of how the format's going to work so that we can get into it and you know what to expect. Basically, I want to have more conversations that are very impromptu and very casual. So today, I have a guest with me who I'll introduce in a second, but basically, I want to take this more casual approach because in the past it's been a lot of research and a lot of formulated questions, but I feel like this way we can have guests really just express themselves and speak about what's on their mind. So today I have the pleasure of welcoming Tommy Richards. Tommy, do you want to give a brief background about kind of your time growing up and what it's led you to today? Definitely, yo. Thank you for having me, Owen. And I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Upper West Side, right around Lincoln Center. Um, theater was something my fam was very into, um, my brother as well. I didn't follow that route. Uh, graduated FIT um, last spring. Congrats. And thank you, thank you. Feels, feels like a <laughs> whirlwind, but it's, it's cool, it's, it's, it's exciting and um, have an interest in film, have an interest in marketing and advertising, have an interest in fashion business, uh, sustainability, avant-garde fashion, um, New York culture, uh, rock and roll, hip hop. The list goes on. A lot, a lot of art. Uh, contemporary just came back from the Guggenheim a couple hours ago with a broken foot or not a broken foot uh, slightly slightly um, I saw it happen it was pretty it was it was a valid reason to be in the shape you're in now since you saved a nice goal from going in and we ended Mm -hmm. up and I made the goal after true yeah so I want to ask what do you have on right now yeah so um, biggest flex I got my cast on it's uh, the boot it's actually a Reebok collab with the pump with the Reebok pump I see that and I got on my Asics very comfortable the perfect gel uh, shoe all black then I got on these 70s uh, houndstooth yeah pants that flare a little bit actually wore these to my graduation then I wore this belt also, got this Vivian belt, wear it all the time, got the nice orb on it. Then we got a JPG blazer with some nice cargo j- cargo pockets and um, bondage. And then I got a 70s turtleneck that is a beautiful purple gradient. My favorite colors, definitely purple. Yeah, you're pulling off the turtleneck for sure. I can't do that. The turtleneck, it's been something hard for me to kind of fit into my wardrobe. Yeah, this one's a long one, so it's like a little bit challenging to not look like a turtle, but I'm trying. (laughs) So you came prepared for this fit check. I'm over here, very casual, got the Birkenstock Bostons on, nice little suede on them. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have kept my uh, Stussy collabs because the suede on those is so buttery, but Mm -hmm. we'll get back to those. Which color? It was the brown colorway. It was like a caramel colorway okay. pretty do you say caramel or caramel what's caramel. the caramel that's how you say it. that's how you're supposed to say it mm-hmm. and then we got some double knee car hearts pick these up at the bins for about hey. 50 cents so you can't go wrong with that mm-hmm. and then we got the dime skate tee with the rip off of the dior yep kind of font i went to their store in montreal where they yeah. founded very cool brand. That brand is awesome. They also have a lot of roots in skateboarding and they're very a part of the culture. Definitely. Skateboarding culture because I mean they even on their website it's the coolest thing. You go on there and they list the skate spots in Montreal. So like you can find the skateboard spots that everybody goes to. And they're not just like skate parks. They're like ledge spots or something that 
the pros go to and skateboard and get on yeah. film. So no, it's that's, very cool. I, I went skating in Montreal and they have like a, the one park I went to, it was like next to a highway. And I mean, a lot of skate parks are next to highways, but um, it had like a really cool feel to it. There were a lot of people just like chilling there. Felt like just a really nice community vibe. And I knew like a couple people that um, were in Montreal that were skaters. And then me and my, uh, one of my friends that I went with, big skater. So we were skating all through Montreal. Like we, we like drove to um, the um, mountain that I forgot the name of, but there's like one mountain there. And like we uh, drove there and then skated like down it with like six people. Yeah, that's awesome. Luckily, everybody ended up, you know, surviving the hill bomb. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too steep. Wasn't okay. too bad. Yeah. No, there's definitely some cities that are definitely more equipped for skateboarders because when I was in Europe for a little bit, I just saw it was just like there weren't skate stoppers everywhere. There was a bunch of like nice ledges and embankments and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places in the like in the States, they've become so accustomed to like wanting skateboarders out like skateboarding's yeah. big here. But in places yeah. like I don't know, I haven't been to Canada, but in foreign places it seems like it's not that big of a deal and there's so much possibility for skaters yeah i think that's definitely interesting yeah. i don't know how many like skate parks other cities have in comparison because i know there's like a good amount in the city i feel like but at least they're trying more to like expand expand considering the park on like 105th and riverside is yeah is is great and the bowl and everything and there's that, a bowl there yeah, there was, like, no park there for, like, yeah. skate park there for, like, seven, six years. Yeah, I remember seeing, is that the park with mostly, like, street stuff? Street objects yes, with, like, mainly, yeah. 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 No, that's an awesome park. All right, well, I do want to ask, usually the format of this is we ask some icebreaker questions, so I have some for you. Awesome. First one, we're going to start out tough. It's going to be, who's your favorite designer? Ooh. I would say just currently right now, like I'm definitely very into Vivian. Yeah. And obviously, you know, RIP and like it's it's great to just see her influence in like punk and music and uh, subculture and her collaborations with so many different amazing artists and you know her big focus in sustainability is really impactful um, and just the um the work that her and her husband andreas like have put together in the past 25 years is is really just like beautiful to see that relationship um and like collaboration i feel like within the company um i just wrote an article about it on my website about her history and um can check that out it's uh it's linked on my instagram that i yeah use i can also for. link it in the yeah. podcast description definitely i'll get all the links to your social media and stuff like that so people yeah. can go and connect with you also there's a um there's a i know this is like a quick i don't know if this is supposed to be a quick no question. go into it it's fine expand um, there's like a new show on hulu called the pistols about the sex pistols and Vivian Westwood's very prominent in the film and you like see her store and you see like her clothes and you know it is it isn't um necessarily collaborated with Vivian unfortunately but it is cool to see a reenactment of that and um also Nana a really good anime uses like Vivian Westwood styling in their um in their TV show and I went to London this summer for the first time and first time in Europe and to see like kind of their style versus ours. I mean, New York style over any style. Yeah. But I think it's cool to see like more of the, the proper English tailoring, <laughs> see Savile Row and see kind of like all these different, you know, brands that are really prominent there. Like, Alexander McQueen, Burberry, Stella McCartney, you know, Brick Lane, you know, me and Owen were 
talking about that and like how such Owen a sick spot just went there yeah yeah all the, the vintage that they have there i think it's it's really cool to i gotta see. show you my bomber jacket it's yeah it's should. legit yeah but a place like that a place like london very formal attire and very proper wear and then you see these brands that are very rebellious and very punk-esque it seemed like it was kind of like a breeding ground for that because you know like your parents they want you to dress very nice there they want Mm -hmm. you to be very presentable and then you have people that want to just rebel and you have alexander mcqueen and vivian westwood so i mean it's very kind of interesting how these brands came to be and i can definitely see uh, a lot of your style is like very reflective of what vivian westwood created and her kind of aesthetic definitely yeah i think european designers just do an amazing job and i think a lot of the rebellious elements within clothing is something i've gravitated towards um and not just in clothing and music and subcultures and i think there's just like so many so many brands i could talk about yeah so many brands yeah all right let's get to the next question the next question is do you want to travel to the future or to the past past obviously 1970s take me there take me there true yeah i wonder what a lot of other people would say i feel like for me too it'd probably be the past it's just you kind of know it better but it's also a lot of unknown so it's the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. 70s would be a great time for just the music that came out the freedom um just like the the level of just i feel like growth that's come out of that time the style um just seeing like manhattan in that day and age would be really cool right versus now and like seeing how much it's like changed and i mean it's inevitable but i do love to see the history in like the city yeah i remember asking a lady from New York that was like born and bred here, I was like, what's your favorite time that you've lived in New York? Or like, what was the favorite era for you, favorite decade? And she was like, yeah, definitely like 1960s, 1970s. Like that was what she called like the best kind of time in New York. And it definitely be something cool for us to potentially see if they invent time travel. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, especially like um, the Woodstock era. And then you also have the, Summer Soul, which is like a really famous concert in Harlem that happened around in the 70s. And all these great, like, mainly black artists performed. And it was just like... Do you know where the venue was? uh, I think it was in this park. um, That's pretty cool. That has a name. uh, You're blanking on it right now. Yeah, no. That's cool. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Didn't know there was these festivals happening in Harlem at the time. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, Jimi Hendrix lived in Harlem. Um, a lot of great like R and B from Harlem. Yeah. A lot of great artists from New York. A lot of great artists. From yes, New York. of course. So this question is a little bit more challenging. It's just how you kind of understand it, perceive it. Basically, what brings you up when you're down? Is it music? Is it maybe talking to your friends? What's what's your kind of Definitely, best thing for you definitely music sometimes i think i'm the kind of person who likes to listen to albums all the way through and being able to like experience something from an album um movies for sure definitely a big movie person um reading uh reading like three books right now and um talking to friends also i think it's it's a mixture it's never just like one thing for sure but uh yeah, I think uh, it's very circumstantial. You would say, just yeah, kind of based on at, what you need in that moment. Looking at clothes is definitely an endless yeah. cycle of just like retail therapy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just just looking at, into the endless scroll of like brand products on Grailed and you know get into Japanese, some loopholes and stuff like that. You know, proxy sites and fashion shows. I watch just like yeah random shows. All right, well. You'll have to back this up later when we go get some fries. I want to ask you, what's your favorite type of fry? Is it the curly fry? Is it the OG fry? Is it the waffle fry? What's what's the best fry? It's interesting you mention this because there was a fry at this place that I 
just went to that I was just talking to you about called JG Melon. Yeah. And it's like known for their burgers, like Michelin star. And they have a, uh, a pickle fry, but it's like a, a cut pickle what? fry. And I've never had anything like that. And I didn't get the fries and I feel so dumb. Wait, are we talking it's made out of pickles or are we talking it's in the shape of it's a in, pickle? Sorry, it's in the shape of a pickle. Yeah. Like a sliced pickle. I got you. And otherwise. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like Five Guys is really good. Cajun fries, and Shake Shack. I'm not the biggest fan of. I don't. Yeah. I don't know about zigzag fries. Waffle fries are valid too. But, <laughs> but like, they're all good. They're yeah. all good. Yeah. Can't go wrong with a fry. And what's your favorite subculture? I know it's kind of hard to distinguish between subcultures since there's social media nowadays and everything's basically become like mainstream. Yeah. But is there anything you would consider like in the past that was a subculture something that you kind of gravitated towards Mm. or is there anything now that you consider a subculture that you still kind of take a liking to Mm. yeah well i feel like within fashion like you have um in in like the antwerp scene you have like the uh antwerp six yeah the antwerp six and i think that subculture of like how that form kind of like this. being very loyal to those designers or yeah, what this that that group of like just six kind of like becoming like revolutionary avant-garde like designers is like pretty cool to see and um i think in japan you have like harajuku in tokyo and you have that kind of like very kind of um you're talking about like branding, just strictly trying to get the best brands and wearing that sort of thing, or avant-garde scene there? Yeah, in like the early 2000s, the just like avant-garde scene of like kind of very playful, um, uh, overly maximal, but yeah. still like having some real like... It's very cohesive still. And, yeah. And cohesiveness really right. brings together like what may seem like something that has just like so much going on to some people has just like this beautiful kind of like flow and connection of just garments that yeah. work really well together. Yeah, that interesting way that they approach styling and how they're able to make all these different designers and also these very outlandish pieces come together. I think it's very mm-hmm. It's very unique to that one certain area, like you were speaking about. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's definitely a culture in and of itself, which yeah. is really cool. And I think, I think the, the cultures of, like, New York, I could say, growing up and going to school in Soho, you have, like, this, this like, subculture at V-Files when they, like, kind of created this internet fashion um, brand kind of, like world for different you know kind of influencers models creators and things like that i think being able to see that it just felt like such a great community to be around and getting to see like live performances getting to see upcoming designers showcases um just i feel like the soho subculture used to be so different and yeah um, being able to see that firsthand before like social media and like really um, having having like kind of like a real understanding of it and seeing all these different stores really and their uproots was just it was it was great yeah more so back in the day it was like this very elusive thing and very kind of like very tight-knit group of people definitely now like, it's very you could say broad. hi to anyone yeah it wouldn't be weird right i feel like nowadays it's definitely a little bit harder to just strike a conversation right a little bit more intimidating because you don't know somebody else's intentions or how they're gonna interact with you yeah you can I mean, kind people of be... would just hang out on mercer just all day and like, right just talk blah 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 just just hang out and stuff and i don't think that has um, continued continued in the same right way. no definitely not 
I do. This kind of thought came up in my mind, which was, do you think designers nowadays are kind of like their own subcultures? Like you have people really into Rick Owens and then you have people really into Ralph Simmons. Do you think these have become uh, subcultures and things that people can kind of dive into and very like associate themselves with properly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think us. Especially Rick Owens, you know, like people just love to just wear all Rick Owens. Um, and I think certain brands have such a certain aesthetic, which they should have, and are able to kind of create such a uh, style towards. And I think a lot of people can gravitate more towards a brand that has an aesthetic that can then just like really develop their interest towards all of the history that they bring into their collections and collaborations and you know things like that because it's like when you get into a specific fashion designer you get into the artists that they're inspired by you get into like the certain colors and certain ways of draping and the certain just kind of like brands that they associate themselves with right you can dive into what the designer's thinking and go back to kind of what their inspirations are yeah. and really get the full picture and there's so much to figure out because a lot of the things that designers use are very they're not just like surface they're not like surface level stuff it's very deep stuff and definitely there's a lot of research there's so much that goes into it that you can like constantly just like find out about a fashion designer through looking up their different collections to looking up their, you know, collaborations, looking up what schools they went to. There, there's so much. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say it's kind of become a subculture for fashion, the different designers that definitely. are involved and very looked at. So yeah. the last one that I have is, was there anybody when you were younger that you idolized or that you looked up to i know that nowadays it may be a little different because you don't really quite understand why you look up to those people or maybe why you even mm -hmm. like them but maybe when you were younger it was very uh upfront and like apparent to you why you like them you're like oh okay maybe they're doing something that i really want to be doing someday mm -hmm. do you have an idol from when you were younger um well i definitely think like there's a lot of artists that I really like, and I think if I were to name like one, it'd be kind of hard. But I feel like within maybe I think music. I think definitely in in middle school and high school, ASAP Rocky was a big influence. Um, he definitely is like pioneered a lot in fashion and style and I think um, more nowadays if I had to say like an icon or something like that um, I would say for like film film directors maybe Spike Lee I feel like is definitely someone like undercover is definitely an influence like just Jun Takahashi just him and his brand have really been a big influence in my interests yeah and maybe um Ray Kubo. she's definitely a big influence for me yeah, those all sound like people that did stuff that was very, I would say, groundbreaking. Yeah. Stuff that really pushed forward culture and made, they like paved the way for new artists. Like you're even talking about like Virgil and stuff like that. Like definitely. those are definitely some idols and people that make sense that you would look up to and you would yeah. want to be like or at least do something similar to what they have done in their respective careers yeah there's there's definitely a lot of um music artists also like david bowie i feel like i've been inspired by um i think definitely the 70s rock era there's so many icons in that time period 
such as like I think The Doors or uh, Jimi Hendrix is a big one or uh, The Velvet Underground is a big one um, and I would say The Rolling Stones is definitely a big inspo as well yeah well awesome well I think our listeners definitely learned a lot about you from those questions but now we can get into some of the other questions about kind of what you're doing now and how you've evolved in the fashion scene so I want to ask what's kind of on your agenda now what are you doing right now are you trying to make videos do you see yourself looking for a new career what's the what's your trajectory um I think I think um based off of the past kind of like seven months of not being in school I think it's been interesting to gain some experience in some different field different fields in fashion and I think um experience that I've gained through um working at the canvas and you know working kind of like a a retail job but also like having a passion for marketing and creative strategy and social media and content creation and that kind of thing and being able to just kind of like learn about all these great sustainable brands and be able to just um, see more about the retail and fashion business landscape was interesting and you know now I'm uh, working at a consignment store and it's a, it's a great experience because I'm learning about so many different brands all the time and learning about a lot of great great designers and um, you know seeing great products every day that we're interested in consigning and also working in like the social media and like the content and um, styling and things like that I think have been great um, but but I feel like the retail landscape isn't exactly something I'm like you know really the most interested in for the future but it's definitely something that I think is just a helpful stepping stool because, um, you know, it would be great to work at retail at, like, a store like Dover Street Market or something like that. Or work at, like, a, a really creative fashion business. Um, and, you know, otherwise, like, there's a, a deep interest within film. And I've had the opportunity to, like, take some cool film classes the past year. And so through those classes and actually a book I'm reading about you know, making films, and the title is called Talk is Cheap, and it's actually a book my dad wrote, which is pretty cool, and so it's about making a film for pennies, and like, just trying to be able to make independent films, and um, so yeah, just like some screenplays that I hopefully will be able to start working on soon, and definitely more on the short film side, and also on I would say genre wise it'll definitely range I think um, I think the first film that I'm gonna make is uh, I'll just I could talk a little bit about it yeah no go into it I want to hear about this yeah um, the first film that I want to make it's called last stop and it's about a kid who uh, sees this girl at a party um, but doesn't actually know where she went but is looking for her and kind of ends up not exactly finding her but uh, kind of takes place on the subway and some sort of you know I would say like psychological I wouldn't say it's like a thriller, maybe a little bit of horror, um, drama, and so it just goes into like some of uh, some of that on the subway. Yeah. Wow, 
No, I'm definitely kind of picturing the scenes and I want to see it come to life. Definitely. I want to ask, how do you come up with these ideas? Are they based on some of your, the filmmakers that you've seen and the, some of the films that you've kind of taken inspiration from or what even strikes an idea like that? Yeah, there's definitely some films that have inspired me and directors that have inspired me. And I think there's a great few, um, definitely Scorsese, definitely um, Spike Lee, definitely, um, I think Jim Jarmusch, and a film recently I saw called Living in Oblivion was really interesting, just about like these low budget kind of like filmmakers trying to make a film and just um, going through all these different problems that happen on set. I thought it was just very, very entertaining and I think other than those directors, um, I could probably name so many more, but uh, I think... Um, and so you see these movies and you say, okay, how can I make it more personalized to my experiences? Or do you go, like, how? what's the next step? Or kind of like, yeah. when does the idea start to formulate? Um, I feel like the the process of, memories and also having experiences in the city and also just New York based filmmakers and things like that and seeing their stories and that level of kind of I would say more of like a coming of age aspect to a lot of it because I think that's like the most pivotal time in our lives in terms of like growing up and figuring out who we are and things like that and relationships and romance and things like that. Um, Richard Linklater, the Before Sunrise trilogy, I think is a really good uh, inspiration and his films. And I think just um, that, because I have some memories of like, you know, things I've just been like, oh, this would be perfect for like a film or, um, I always feel like writing, writing just like, little moments end up becoming these like stories that'll just expand and just turn into something else yeah yeah you never know when creativity is going to strike and then you can always come back to those and say okay maybe this scene goes differently maybe you can add in a horror aspect here maybe you know there's some triumph maybe there's some there's a climax here so i can definitely kind of picture how it's all coming together but it's all obviously very kind of unique to how you are approaching life and the experiences you're having and the different inspirations you're taking. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think definitely I look forward to seeing it all come together and then yeah. being able to watch definitely, definitely. your film. There's some short films that I feel like are just going to be easier to make, but you know, Maybe if they get the right attention, maybe I'll expand the short film and make it something even different. I think like TV yeah. shows are where the money is for like a lot of directors because um, everyone wants to binge watch something. But it's like most of those TV shows maybe started out as movies or you know maybe they didn't like have this full idea. But I feel like it expands while you're making it somewhat. Definitely. I mean, even Seinfeld is a TV show about nothing, which is hilarious. Definitely. And it makes so much sense, though, because it's all based on experiences and, like you said, kind of like the coming of age, Mm -hmm. even though they're like, what? They're They're supposed to be 40. (laughs) But, yeah, no, it's very interesting. And I want to ask, so do short films, they just have less of a buildup? There's just not as many scenes that lead to the climax or like what is supposed to be the the plot of a short film is it all the same i feel like a short, sequences a short film because it's not going to be as many scenes there's like such more of an emphasis on each individual scene and i would say usually just having the climax at the end is something that would make just the short amount of time, even, I would say, just somewhat more noticeable when you can connect kind of like the different scenes together. 
Because I feel like a lot of movies that are like an hour, it's like there's these little like subplots that like all connect at the end, and that is really cool, and it makes a film like so just like advanced. Right. But a lot of the times you can just get lost, and like a lot of these stories just like may not have as much suspense because it's like they go in a lot of directions. Yeah. And so I think focusing maybe more on one like linear story for like this first film at least makes sense. But I think non-linear films are great too. And I think like suspense that some directors are able to achieve because of non-linear stories are like really beautiful because say they have like a serious um, kind of like main event happen in the beginning and then rewind the film before that main event the next 30 minutes of the film leading up to that next event and then it's like you see the whole film from another perspective of like how these two worlds connect and that's that's the beauty of being able to make a you know feature film right no i definitely get the point that you're getting at and i've watched a movie recently and there there were a lot of subplots in it and they all very they all connected at some point it was very uh it's a very progressive like it progressed throughout the sequence of the movie because when you don't realize or there's no real like final explanation or connection between something and then just cut off from it it's like oh so what, what happened right now i want to know what's going on so then it's like it hooks you even more um so i feel like if you're making a short film that's non-linear it might be even harder for the uh, person to really like under to understand as, it or like, as, like enjoy it really as, yeah you don't want to be left hanging because that just it leaves a bit of something inside of you like desiring more and it leaves you kind of unfulfilled which is not something you want to achieve in a film you want to achieve you want to get out a theme you want to get your point across and you want the audience to be able to understand what it is that you were trying to portray in your film yeah, so that definitely, definitely makes sense definitely yeah. so leaving off having talked about film i do want to get into fashion is there anything on your mind right now that you want to discuss i know that the changes in creative directions of some of these big companies is something that is definitely at the forefront of my mind. Is that something that you've been there's thinking about so, recently? There's so many brands to talk about that have a serious creative director and a serious talking point within that that has happened recently. Yeah. yeah. I kind of want to start with streetwear. I don't know what's happening because I haven't paid too much attention to it. Mm-hmm. But do you know how involved... Uh, Tremaine Emery is at Supreme. I guess he he's he's doing a lot of Denim Tears collabs still. Like I saw one recently. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely really involved. You know, because Tremaine I think is um, very into you know Burberry. That that whole collection is definitely a tie to him. I think his interest in Yoji that collection probably came from him. Um, ASAP Nast that influence with him modeling for Yoji, I think having more black creatives within Supreme and modeling is something he's looking towards because a lot of what I feel like Supreme Supreme does is just has their skate team model for most of the collections and he's bringing it, I would say a bigger influence within who is actually modeling for the collections as well. Um, And yeah, just collaborations is definitely a major factor he's working towards. Yeah, I can definitely see that point, and it's definitely re- reflective in what they've been doing recently with all the different collabs and even incorporating high fashion again mm-hmm. because that hasn't always been a thing in the past. I mean, you had, like, Stone Island, or, I mean, I know that you had the Louis Vuitton, but that was because of Kim Jones, and mm-hmm. there's obviously been some like Moschino and uh, all these other ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of brands that Supreme's collaborated with and it's definitely changed their brand, especially after being, you know, bought by um, 
kind of like the conglomerate that owns like North Face and Vans and yeah I think it's like VF or something yeah VF Corporation yeah. VF Corporation um, so now there's gonna be a million Vans collabs and a million North Face collabs and you know of course, true of course the uh, market is expanding into Asia and you don't have as much um, originality yeah. or exclusivity or kind of like community that what the supreme is known for unfortunately right. that's really i mean that's where they were headed it's it's there were that was it's, their trajectory it's interesting because they are so just like they're such a brand filled with like rebellious kind of like independent people yeah within the people that they collab with and things like that that they would you know sell out but I mean, even at their stores, like, they still have skaters that work there. That hasn't yeah. changed. I mean, you go in there, and they don't really want to, you know, deal with your BS. They want to just get yeah. you your product and get you out of there. There's, there's like, no store I can really think of that has the same method of Supreme. Yeah. Like with, with the fact that they have one register at literally all their stores. Yeah. And it's, like, now they have a million registers. Like, I don't know if that's actually true. It might just still be one register. But I think they're obviously now, like, moving along the lines a little bit, you know? Right. Getting more up-to-date with how it is in the actual retail space rather than being very independent or Mm -hmm. kind of, like, looking like a smaller independent boutique brand. They're kind of progressing forward in that respect. Yeah. So moving into the luxury space... Yeah. Do you know of what's been like the biggest kind of moves? I know that There's Alessandro Michele, I don't know what's happening there. I don't know what's happening at Louis Vuitton with, uh, I heard Martine Rose is going to be heading or like, really? or Kid, Kid Super's, Super's doing, working with I, I don't That's know what's crazy. happening. I'm confused. So yeah, definitely Alessandro. Um, first of all, like he's gone from Gucci after expanding their business since like, I think what 2015 yeah something like that and really changing the like maximal kind of like fun playful elements of like the 70s and embroidery and floral design and colors and I think that uh, element to, to Gucci is really what most people know it as um, in at least our generation so it's interesting to like now see where it's headed with kind of just like the Gucci team and things like that. Um, I want to look up. I'm gonna look up who. Do you know if anybody's going to be appointed? Do you know what the deal is? Um, I th- think their most recent collection was only done by the, you know, in-house team at Gucci. Yeah. And it's really reflective because you can see that they kind of like withdrew a lot of the maximal elements and. Uh, you know, large, bright colors, you don't really see as much, you're not seeing um, as much maximal design. Uh, I don't know if there is is one, I don't think there is. No, it didn't come up but with I anything. But I do know that Tom Ford is maybe being bought by LVMH, or is already bought by the same, um, by a similar maybe conglomerate as right. Gucci. So there might be some influence there but i can't yeah that's what kind of like the speculation was that tom ford would come back and yeah work at gucci again yeah but i mean is there anything that we're seeing i wanted to look at the recent collection so you said it was less maximalist you said it was kind of more reserved and very color oriented yeah it was less color oriented. so what is this fall 2023 are we talking about and and it's interesting because there's just one cast member of uh, Wednesday that was one of the models, I think. Maybe you didn't model, actually. But. Is it this? The one with the rock band in the back? Yeah. So right now we're looking at the Vogue runway site and kind of looking at the collection. I would say this is very reflective of kind of what's happening in the trends right now. Like trench coats, lots of... Um, Oversized pants, we got some... Some different suiting. I think suiting's definitely been something to come back. You're seeing lots of mm-hmm. people kind of wear 
very relaxed suiting that's more draped. I wouldn't say it's very uh, fitted or anything like that. It's not very unique to people's proportions. Yeah. It's just very oversized. Yeah. So yeah, this is a lot different than what Alessandro was putting out. Definitely, you can totally see like less colors happening, less 70s focus, less, you know, logos. Um, uh, and a lot of it feels like definitely more of like a uniform. But I remember hearing something about the collection where, you know, the music element, they asked some of the models what would Gucci be if they were a genre of music. And it had something to do with like, you know, some people would say electronic. Some people would say like, really, uh, like our ex experimental R and B, um, from like a vinyl store in Japan, where you've been browsing for like twenty minutes and then you find this certain album or something. So I think the music element probably might have reflected something within the reason they asked those questions. Um, but yeah, we should definitely talk about. Um, Wait, I want to ask, what do you think, what music do you think represents Gucci? I definitely can see, like, rock and roll as, like, a definite, definitely can see disco. Um, I definitely can see a little bit of electronic, but I would say more, like, electronic disco. And then maybe, like, a touch of, like, hip-hop. Yeah, for some reason, the thing that strikes me most is like a violin, something to do with a violin, just something more upbeat, but also that has a very classic sound to it, like a violin. So mm -hmm. I don't understand yeah. why people would say like electronic or, uh, you know, disco, but maybe just because of kind of some of the colors and also its roots yeah, within Europe. Just like electronic and disco being so yeah. connected and um, the youthfulness. The, yeah, definitely yeah. the youthfulness of it. Yeah, I would. I'm so confused by just looking at the collection. It's different because it's not Gucci. That's not Gucci. Feels different. That's for sure. different. Well, what's the next luxury house that we can well, get into? Definitely, I feel like we have to talk about Raph Simmons. Like it's in, true. Insane to think that he is closing his his house his fashion house but he's also working with Prada and creative directing and making collections at the same time and he's going to continue doing that while shutting down his label which I, I personally think for someone like Raph who's very independent very kind of like focused on avant-garde and um, his ideas being the ideas of the company um, it definitely seems like the right thing to do in my opinion and I think it's interesting because when you look at like Raph's uh when you look at Helmut Lang and you look at Margiela um and how you know both of the designers left their company and in the, the mid-2000s and how they kind of sold it and kept other creative directors around and changed right. them out and kind of changed their overall image and things like that it was interesting because when I was working at the canvas. I talked to Leah about it because our retail uh, manager, she worked for both of these brands and what her opinion was on it. And, you know, of course, still appreciating both of these brands for the amazing things they've done, but also realizing that it, it has really caused a, a issue and caused kind of like a unfortunate, um, it's know, almost just kind of yeah for destroyed their that, you know, reputation is now being looked at in a I guess a you know a different sense because of the different ways it's I guess been reproduced yeah. right because it it was the approach was changed from being something that was very reflective of one person's identity to then people looking at the commercial aspect of mm -hmm. it once these brands got bought it was like okay yeah. This is a business now. This is yeah. not just some creative outlet. It's no, really yeah. got to be like, Definitely. we have to know our target customer. We have to know what they want. We have to design for them and we have to make stuff that they would buy. Yeah. So you can definitely see that change. And you were bringing that point up to say that like, 
it was a very respectable move of Raph to not just absolutely destroy his reputation and everything that he built and that it made sense for him to say, okay, I'm going to just completely kind of terminate my brand and not let it move forward from where I left it. Definitely, yeah. And it's it's hard because a lot of these brands, um, you know, are able to now put other designers on and, you know, Kid Super being a smaller brand and now working with LV, he's going to be, you know, so much more popular and now everyone's going to know about him. And that's great. And I think the promotional aspect is, is important, but a lot of brands that are f- just like finding their roots and finding their themselves um, to then kind of work with other brands that can, uh, as creative directors, it's just like the constant image of a different brand is is changing. And I mean, it, it does make sense because, you know, not every brand is gonna have exactly the same image and uh, or not every, you know, person yeah. is gonna be able to just like be this one kind of style. But it becomes challenging to elaborate on things yeah. without changing it because it you think about your own personal style, like at some point it's gonna change. It's gonna change, yeah. Yeah. So these brands they have to change, they have yeah. to kind of you have evolve, to evolve and, in a way and you have to, you know, be constantly just like creatively breaking boundaries and yeah being innovative yeah and thinking being innovative and stuff so it's just like a hard like relationship to sometimes manage for maybe certain certain designers and that's an easy way out is just to be like hey let me just you know work with someone else and build my you know brand up because of it or something like that but I don't know it's it's tough yeah I have I have a few questions. So first is, do you think, I know that Prada has had its moments in the past, like because of its more commercial items, like the bucket hat or Mm -hmm. the shoulder bag, the trainers too. Tactical. But do you think that people are going to lean more into their runway collections and some of their more, uh, you know, clothing items rather than these accessories and stuff like that? Do you think that could be the future, like where people are moving in terms of trends? Because mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I guess Balenciaga is you know, out of the question. I guess yeah, um, definitely been downhill for sure. I guess quite a few things are out of the yeah. I think it's trajectory. It's uh, it's interesting because like every brand has their like money maker. You know, like yeah. everyone has that one product they could, you know, brand and really sell. And that helps fuel a lot of other collections, I feel like. And, you know, people that might buy a bucket hat who don't know too much about Prada in a couple of years might buy something from their, you know, collection that's not maybe as much of like a trendy kind of piece. And so those trends, I feel like, help um, kind of like bring new customers in. And I think the collections that Prada specifically does, a lot aren't very brand focused in terms of their logo. Um, Yeah. And so like a brand like that, I feel like is able to appeal to a customer who's not gonna just be like, I want this because it's it's Prada. They're gonna want it because it's like something that goes with their style already of like maybe more minimal monochromatic pieces, even though Prada does have some cool prints, they're definitely more focused on like just kind of like a single color single color elements in you know staple pieces and that's something that is like definitely more timeless do you think it's a good thing for more brands to do uniform clothing Mm -hmm. like what do you think about uniform clothing do you think that we should definitely before we talk about that i just want to say one thing about like also how you know, Vivian Westwood's passed away and how she worked with Andre, her husband, and, like, they've been together for, like, 25 years and how that... They've, they've been working 50-50 on most of their collections and then Andre had his own line that was created and, you know, there's, like, a man label, there's, like, a red label. 
there's different kind of like co-sections within a lot of brands that appeal to different markets and I think like because they have such a connection I think Vivian you know will have such a uh, a deeper connection to its designs after she passed but I think that story is beautiful and I don't think a lot of other brands can create that have that story with their designers you know yeah so I think that just like history and like reasoning for like collaboration is like what makes it more like meaningful no i think that brand has a very unique story compared to a lot of other brands or kind of the the cycle that had happened in order for that brand to become established Mm -hmm. you talk about all the different things that vivian was involved in with designing you know, merchandise for certain bands and wanting to just even open a store for selling goods that she liked, Mm -hmm. but then going on to designing her own garments. That was a very interesting progression of things. And you talk about kind of her waging in on sustainability. What was the thing that That's a great element to talk about within Vivian because... You know, she worked with the Greenpeace Foundation in, like, 2013 and um, was uh, a designer for one of their collections and redesigning the Greenpeace logo and um, kind of a Save save the Arctic was their, their theme. And, you know, after she had gone and seen the, the melting of the ice caps and just, um, you know, she's helped fundraise for so many um organizations in sustainability and helped push the conversation so i think like you know that that on its own and then not only you know within starting a conversation but actually making clothing with um you know trying to to look more into you know the manufacturers who's producing it you know ethical wages and quality standards and using um she's using less leather and trying to use more um you know of the same production houses and also she's reduced some of her collection sizes as well just to help with the overconsumption that a lot of fashion brands push is definitely a big big problem yeah going back to the staple pieces do you think as consumers, it makes the most sense to have staple items in our collections and then only really buy like one very outlandish and what would you call it? A, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but like. Grail? Or like. Uh, yeah, but you're talking about like a statement piece, statement like one piece. statement yeah. piece a year. Like, what is the best way to approach it from a consumer standpoint? Statement pieces, man. Statement pieces, I feel like are becoming so much more popular because of the fact that we all have like grails we want. We all have pieces that we want just for that piece, but and less for maybe the, for the whole collection or less for like the whole style of the collection maybe. Um, but I think like, I think like having different pieces that that you, you wear all the time is so important and that you're not just like, you know, just constantly, constantly looking for something new. I think we've covered a lot in this episode and definitely a lot of interesting topics. There are still so many questions that I have, but in order to round out this episode, I do want to ask you some of the ways that people can find you on social media and maybe what you're doing. I know you have your website, you have YouTube, Mm -hmm. and then on Instagram, you have your personal, and then you have a photography account, and you also have your uh, vintage resale. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to link those? Definitely. The the YouTube is is where I've made a lot of uh, fashion-related content within, like, styling, um, documenting, um, showing other people's style. um, And I think it's something that I'm still working towards, and hoping to make more content in, maybe more um, content around uh, informational content. And then I also have my archive and vintage and 
media related uh, page called Side Street NYC. And my YouTube is under TJR. And then you have my <clears throat> personal Instagram, uh, more or less, that's uh, TJ underscore R. And then you have my website, what which is tjrstyle.wordpress.com. Um, and it has like some of my styling, editorial work, short films, uh, blog posts, more written articles about information in the industry, topics, and yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I think you said it all, and I really appreciate you coming on this podcast and speaking with me and allowing the audience to hear a little bit more about you and what you have going on. It's going to be interesting to listen to this. I can't wait to to hear it. Dope. Appreciate it. Everybody, go check out his stuff, and definitely keep checking in on the podcast. There's no schedule in order, but there will be more podcasts in the future, so... If you're listening to this, please go follow us on Instagram at owens.exhibit. And that's all for this episode. Peace.